Hello and welcome to the Body Talk podcast where we share insights and strategies to help you improve your results whether that's at work or in your day-to-day life. My name is Alina Jenkins, your host, and today I'm joined by fellow Body Talk trainer Katie Lewis. And Katie has 15 years of experience as a sales trainer, mainly in the automotive industry, but also with major high street chains and top luxury retailers. She helps her clients and customers to improve their communications, to improve their connections and conversations. And it's something that whether or not you're in sales, that we can all use in our business and day-to-day life. Katie, it's great to see you. Great to see you as well. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. And certainly in recent weeks, I've been chatting to our clients and they've been telling me that at times they do struggle to connect with their customers and trying to understand their world. And I guess that's really what sales is all about. Absolutely. And sometimes people feel that they're a bit scared to say they're in sales or they don't like saying they're in sales. But the reality is we are all in sales because every communication that we have with people is generally trying to sell ourselves, whether it's selling ourselves as um, uh, to a boss, as a freelancer, uh, when we're trying to pitch to clients, when we or when we are actually trying to sell a product, we're always trying to sell. We're trying to say to the other person, I want you to, to listen to me or to deal with me or to buy from me or to promote me or to have me as part of your team. So we are always really selling because selling is just communication. Yeah, it is exactly. And what are some of the, the skill sets that, that you have been teaching people over the years? What are some of the key things? Where, where do we start? Well, I mean, it's bigger than a than one podcast, that is for sure. Um, I think really, if we start with sales at the beginning, you always have to have, well, you know, there's a meet and greet. There's a, there's a first impression. There is creating that rapport. That's your really first stage. So when we're now working online, a lot of the people that I've been working with recently, the very first thing that we do is make sure that they are set up in this window that we now live in perfectly. So we use the the rule of thirds. So we'll have a third to your uh, left or your right with uh, background. We'll have us in the middle and then we'll have the third to the other side uh, with background. And again, the same at the top. So having a bit of space, having your forehead, your eyes to kind of your nose in the middle third, and then the rest, the top part of your body, so we can see some of your your hands and your shoulders. So making sure that we've got good presence online is the first thing to start to build that rapport. We need to try and get our camera as well at eye level. I know you've talked about this before in, in other sessions, but that eye contact is really the key to start your relationship off on the correct footing. Because when we start to build rapport, and rapport is really that other person on the other end of the line or uh, across the table or desk or wherever we are, rapport is that person going, I think I like you. I think we could get on. We could do business. I could have a longer conversation with you. And there's that saying that people buy from people that they like, but it goes a little bit further than that is people buy from people that they like and they trust. So trust and rapport and eye contact go hand in hand. So if we can get that eye contact, we're going to start to build the trust. We're going to start to build the rapport. And one interesting thing about rapport is when we have rapport with somebody, we release um, oxytocin. 
So oxytocin is a hormone. It's a feel-good hormone. It's actually the hormone that you get when you fall in love with somebody or you meet somebody that you could become best friends with. Or even when people give birth, they have a massive rush of oxytocin. Now, in business, we get this to a lesser level, but it is still there. So when we get this oxytocin released and we think, I like this person, really interesting from a business point of view is when oxytocin is released, it lowers cynicism, meaning that we can have more influence over people. So if we lower that cynicism, when we're starting to to talk about what we have to offer that customer, that potential partner, that business partner, the client, that cynicism is lowered and the barriers start to go down and whatever we're saying is taken in uh, in a, a much better way, more positive way. It's such a fascinating thing to think about that this oxytocin can lower cynicism because I, I think so often in relationships, there is always that kind of, yeah, do, you, do I trust you or not? Do I trust you or not? Do I like you or not? And it's just, that's a big barrier to overcome. Absolutely. It's huge. Trust is the biggest thing when it comes to, to, to selling or to creating any kind of relationships and communication. So when we've got that, when we start and we have that correct rapport with somebody, then we can start to kind of go into the next stages of communication or the next phase of your your sales process. So generally, we call this the meet and greet, your very first kind of meet. And then we get into needs analysis or sometimes people call it qualification. So finding out what is important to that customer at that time. And I say at that time because it can be completely different six months in the future or um, a year in the past. It could have been completely different. So it's really taking the time, even if you've already got an established relationship with that customer, to kind of dig deep and find out what their needs are at this particular time in this world that they're currently living in today, whatever that might be and might look like. I wonder, Katie, if this is where people start to fall down, because so often in in conversations, we go in thinking, what is it that I want to say? What is it that I want to get out of? And actually, what you've got to do from the very beginning is be thinking about it entirely from the other person's point of view. And what is it that they are going to need? Sounds simple, isn't it? But I don't think everybody does it. It does. It does sound simple. And it sounds simple to us because we talk about this all the time. And you're absolutely right. People don't do it, especially people in sales that are under pressure. You know, they're under pressure of targets. If they don't hit a certain target, they're not going to get as much money. Um, they could potentially in some industries be at risk if they've missed their targets for a couple of months. They could be at risk of losing their job. So there is a lot of pressure on salespeople to make that sale. And really, sadly, I think what that does is it overshadows the actual connection. And they go in being a salesperson rather than just being a person and trying to find out about that client in front of them. We we often talk about, Katie, about being the mentor. And this is very much what you have to be in this situation is you have to go in with a genuine desire to try and help that other person in the best way you can, even if it doesn't actually result in a sale, perhaps. It's sort of just changing the expectations of what that conversation is. Absolutely. If you said that, though, in a a sales training course, you would see a sea of faces completely aghast because a lot of the time there is a barrier that that they can't get over is that I need to make a sale now. And actually, just coming off the the qualification topic for a second. I see this when people are prospecting. So when they're they're told they have to go and prospect, they have to make cold calls or emails. There's, there's actually 
a whole kind of wave of sadness and fear around doing this because they find prospecting really, really difficult. And that's because they set an expectation up here. They think that a good, successful prospecting call results in a sale, where actually if you lower your expectations and you change that mindset to maybe a successful prospecting call will result in a confirmation of information, confirmation of information, will result in the confirmation of all of the information I have on that customer in front of me. So for example, I'm checking that all the details I've got on that customer correct. I'm checking that they've still got two months to go on the lease um, of their product that I'm selling them. They're still happy with it. Their needs are still the same. Actually, all of a sudden, that takes us from having that negative mindset into the positive and seeing that prospecting call as, as potentially successful rather than I didn't make a sale. I'm no good at this. I don't like prospecting. I'm in the wrong job. So yeah, having that, that shift really helps in mindset. Yeah, I think another thing that we talk about, Katie, is is about um, sort of just like simple next steps. And I wonder if as well as that, sometimes we go in expecting to try and, and sort of either nail the sale or or try and get to the end result just as soon as we can. But actually, this is this is a series of conversations, isn't it? It's about it's about making people feel comfortable just going along on the journey with you. Absolutely. And again, that's where this trust comes in. You know, you wouldn't feel a massive amount of trust in somebody if you walked into a shop and they instantly started trying to sell to you, especially in the UK when we could just go into shops, uh, when the shops were open. If you walked into a shop and somebody, you know, we use the term jumped on you, they came straight up, can I help you? Do you need any help? Do have you, you want to try this on? We, we tend to step back and go, no, I'm fine. I'm just looking. You get that just looking response and the person feels uncomfortable and leaves. It's because there's no, it's too soon. There's no trust being built up. There's no rapport. They haven't earned the right at that point as a salesperson to go and have that kind of conversation with the customer. You have to earn the right to ask for the business. You have to earn the right to showcase your product. And that can only come with the rapport, with building the trust and actually spending time on a human to human level, qualifying that customer, digging down into the needs analysis by using amazing questions, really effective questioning techniques, listening to the response and reacting to that response as opposed to trying to sell them something off the off the bat. So spending time in that qualification actually decreases the time that you will spend in negotiation and the latter stages of the sales process. You said something there, Katie, which I think is is so crucial in communication. And that's actually about you listening mm. and, and not listening with the intent to reply, which is sometimes what we do, isn't it? Is that we're listening and going, OK, I'm sort of listening, but actually this is what I want to say next. Yeah. And this, this idea that actually you need to listen with the intent to understand the customer so that you are you are uh, doing probably most of the listening and letting them doing most of the talking. Again, it's something we talk about a lot at Body Talk and we think, hey, it's fairly straightforward, but it's not a skill set that everyone uses. It's not. And just because you can hear doesn't mean you listen. They're two completely separate things. And in sales, what I tend to find is salespeople have a, a few really good questions and they'll get some information from the customer. And then when I observe them, I can see that their brains are going, hang on, I've got that product. I know something that will, will fit this lady or I've got a car at the back and I maybe need to move three or four to get them or um, 
definitely have a product on the top floor that will help this customer. And I can see their brains going. And I think if I can see their brains going, the customer in front of them is going to be able to see that they're not really listening. And this is where sometimes they miss the most crucial bits of information because they're already playing the end game they're already thinking right i can get this product i can make a sale today this is going to be great you know i'm doing this before midday first sale of the day or whatever it is they've gone they're not present they're not listening and yeah those are where the gems are when when customers are telling you all of this information you need to listen to every single thing and kind of log it away in your brain I think another challenge that people face is that they they listen and they think they've heard and they think, oh, I know how to solve that. And they're going to go straight into solution mode. But actually, from the customer's perspective, if they do that, then actually the customer starts to feel a bit disconnected because you think, I I don't think you've actually fully yet understood what it is I need. And, And so people move too quickly into this solution mode. Yeah, I totally agree. And Sometimes it's the solution and other times it's an assumption. And sometimes it's both. For example, you mentioned that I I worked a lot in automotive. Sometimes a customer might say, I'm looking for um, I'm looking for a really sporty car. And what sporty means to me might be very different to what sporty means to you or sporty means to somebody else. So you need to clarify what does that mean in the customer's world? What does it look like, sound like, feel like? Describe that to me. It could be just completely different to what I'm imagining. And again, yeah, what I I find a lot is people go, brilliant, you want a sporty car, okay, or you want um, a coat that looks like this. I know exactly the one without any further digging into what that customer's needs really are. And then they, they produce a product and it's completely wrong. And the customer doesn't feel listened to or heard. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are some of the some of the other skill sets that, that you help people with, that you teach people just to help to overcome all of these challenges. As we said, you know, we, we teach them a lot and where they're kind of ingrained in us, but it's, it's not always something it's, it's almost, you know, common sense, not always common practice. So what are some of the things that you encourage people to do more often? Um, I guess one of the things that a big thing that I find is, this needs analysis is people just rush it. So one of the things that I spend a lot of time talking about is, are we being present? Are we being aware? Are we being fully with that customer? Can you tell me everything that they've just told me? So let's not rush it. Let's slow it down. Let's get a human to human connection. And from there, that's where we can start to have the more difficult conversations. I also talked to them about body language, how you can approach customers, um, real world and virtually as well. How can you, especially in the real world, how can you walk up to them without getting the defensive shoulder or the I'm just looking? Thank you very much. I also teach them about how they present the product So presenting your product, showcasing your product is crucial. And this is another part I find quite a high percentage of salespeople just miss out completely, especially if it's already an existing customer. They assume that the customer knows about the product. Maybe they just come for, um, you know, the newer model or the new style or whatever it is. They think, oh, the customer knows it already. They already buy from us and they, they just don't showcase their product. And this is 
a real shame because this is the point where they can say, look how fantastic this is compared to everything else on the market. And using all of the information that they found during needs analysis, during qualification, to specifically tailor that presentation to the customer that's in front of them. So everything to that customer should feel tailored to them from the moment they walk in to the shop, the showroom, the business, to the moment they walk out. Everything should be tailored to them. And especially when I work with a lot of luxury brands, um, they're really, really hot on this because, you know, there's a lot of celebs, there's a lot of VIPs and they are used to everything being tailored. They want to feel like a VIP. They want, you know, often some of them will come in and they will be surrounded by bodyguards and they've got their shades on and they, you know, it's not a subtle way to enter a shop or a showroom. They, they want a little bit of attention. So making that customer feel that they've had a VIP experience all the way through stays with that customer for a long time and then they'll, they'll go and tell everybody about that so having that product presentation to that level personalized level is key after that that's when the customer you know you invite the customer to kind of touch and feel and interact with the product if they've got any questions do they need any demonstrations and then when you've had those conversations that's when you can get into your more salesy type of conversations your negotiation so I teach people how to negotiate without breaking rapport, which is really important. Um, I also teach about personality types. And I put that in there because there's some personality types that love to negotiate. Negotiation to them is like a sport. They love it. They're brilliant at it. It's their favorite part of the sales process. And if you're somebody that's completely opposite to that and you have one of these customers in front of you, sometimes it can feel really daunting. So knowing how you can react to that kind of customer is key to negotiation for the salesperson. And then, of course, there's the how we ask for the business. Sometimes this is another thing that I find people a little bit shy at doing is actually asking for the business, closing the sale, they call that. So making sure that the customer's happy and then asking, do you want to buy this product today? Maybe not quite in those words, but really that's what we're asking. And then the final thing is keeping in touch with that customer afterwards. So this is a relationship. And that's why I'm always like, we need to slow this down at the start. We don't want to rush into it too much because we should look at this as a long-term relationship. Your best customer is a customer that brings you other customers. And they only do that if they've had an amazing experience. And they don't do that if they feel that you've just sold to them, said goodbye, and you're never going to be in touch again. So they want that long-term relationship with many of the products that I teach people to sell. And especially in business is people want a relate a business relationship. We want them to come back again and again and again. Just one final thought, actually, Katie, before we finish up today, as you mentioned earlier, uh, body language, you know, of course, that's so important. Of course, what you're doing, but also just trying to interpret, as you say, trying to understand the other person and how they're feeling. Um, I also just wanted just to pick up on tone as well, because we talk so much about body language, but actually about voice and vocal tone and how important that is to listen out for. Absolutely. Um, I talk a lot about listening to the emotion in uh, language, in tone. So there's a difference when people say, let me think, something like, um, yeah, I think that would that would really work for me. Or, yeah, that would really work for me. Or, yeah, that would really work for me. You need to pick up on that emotion that's coming behind 
that message and what that is. And again, that's another level of listening. You know, it's the whole of my hearing. Am I listening? Am I listening for words and facts? Or am I listening for emotions? And when you're an effective communicator, an effective listener, you have to listen for all of those things. And that is why it can be so difficult and challenging doing that because it, it is exhausting having to listen to the message, to the words, to um, how they're communicating, to the sound and the tone and what that emotion is behind there. But this is where these skilled communicators and salespeople sit. They can they can do this. And actually, if you watch somebody that's a fantastic salesperson, it is an incredible skill. It's just fantastic to watch because it just looks so effortless and pure and just such an easy conversation from both sides it doesn't look like a sales process it doesn't look like a process it looks like two people that have got some good rapport having a conversation around something and that really is how it should be listening responding to what that person says uh, not responding to rather than just giving them information so yeah listening to the tone is key for that Katie, once again, you just shared some invaluable insights and tips. So it's really lovely to see you. Hopefully we'll get together and have a chat again uh, later in the year. But that's about it from this episode. So thank you very much for watching and or listening. Of course, if we can help you in any way, please do get in touch with us. You can email info at ukbodytalk.com. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. And of course, we have the website. But thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon.